Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman. And this morning we have with us from Tallahassee, Florida, Matt Foster with the law firm of Brooks LaBeouf. Good morning, Matt, how are you? Good morning, I'm doing well, how are you? Excellent, excellent. So to keep with the theme of the show, Latte with a Lawyer, um, what's your morning beverage of choice? So we got an espresso machine, I guess a couple of years ago, and uh, that's that's kind of my go-to, but we have a, a little local uh, organic coffee shop called Lucky Goat, and they have amazing coffee. So I'll try to break off once, maybe twice a week at most, and get me some Lucky Goat, and then uh, of course some espresso. So oh, good, good stuff. And, and again, we talked about, but you're in Tallahassee. I've never been to Tallahassee, as you know. I told you I live in South Florida, and I've never. I mean, I'm I'm a transplant, right? So I have like I live within my little radius here. I've never been to Tallahassee. Well, you should come up uh, <laughs> catch a football game, and it's really. Um, it's really, we're so close to Georgia. We're about 30 minutes south of Georgia. So right. it's, it really feels kind of like South Georgia. You got all the rolling hills and the, and the live oaks. And uh, it's really a, a beautiful city. Um, I've spent my whole life here. I love it. Um, and uh, it's a great place to, to grow up, to raise kids, and also obviously to go to college. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Um, and it's the capital of Florida, obviously, right? Yes, yes, it is the capital of Florida. So you have all that activity up there. Right. Yeah, we'll be, uh, you know, when sessions end with the legislature, it gets a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's still a relatively small city. It's kind of like New York. Albany's the capital of New York, but it's certainly not the center of New York. It's kind of like maybe Miami is sort of the big city of Florida, but Tallahassee's smaller capital. Yeah, you know, that's one of the nice things I think about Tallahassee is it doesn't have the huge city feel. It's, it feels more like a small town. It's not a small town, but it still has that where you feel like you know everybody and, uh, you know, you recognize people when you go out and you see people. And uh, it just has a kind of a, a friendly feel to it. Everybody, you know, it's a slower pace. Yeah. Um, we talk slower. <laughs> we drive slower. And uh, everybody just kind of, you know, it's a it's a nice pace here in Tallahassee. Yeah. Well, you guys are real Southerners down here. Uh, as you know, they're all Northeast people that just moved down here. No, we don't. We don't get a lot of snowbirds here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the weather is um, a little chilly in the, yeah, in the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. Anyway, so t tell us about the uh, the kind of law that you practice. Sure, sure. Um, so I do personal injury and have been doing that for 28 years. Um, that would include everything from your auto accidents to trucking accidents, wrongful death. Um, also do negligent or failed security. Um, so like, for example, at FSU, we have a lot of parents from Central and South Florida. They come up here, they see these really nice apartment complexes and they go, oh, this is great. You know, it seems safe. And they're promised security and things like that. And then they don't provide the security. They don't provide the, the things that they promised they would. And then somebody gets attacked, either shot or, you know, raped or whatnot on in the apartment complex. And then we bring an action against the apartment complex on behalf of the victim. 
Okay. So basically what we do is we represent victims um, and uh, you know people who are injured through no fault of their own. And so everything from, like I said, auto accidents, trucking, negligent security, um, premise liability, like slip and falls, trip yep. and falls, that sort of thing. Is there a core, like what you do most? I handle almost most of the auto litigation for our firm okay. um, is mine. So I do a, a lot of that. Um, and also what I really enjoy doing is representing uh, victims of sexual abuse, whether it's kids, you know, through some summer camp or, you know, uh, with through their church or something like that. But that we try to represent victims who, you know, um, to get them some recovery so they can get help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awful. I mean, I know it's uh, and Florida is uh, there's a lot of sex trafficking here, isn't there in the state of Florida? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I actually did a seminar down in uh, at the Breakers down in South Florida on human trafficking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a huge problem here. And where our legislature has been trying to get something passed through to, you know, have harder civil penalties on the companies that look the other way. Mm. Um, they know it's happening, and, and but they're still making money off of it um, by these people using their hotels. Um, so we're trying to get stiffer sanctions for companies to, you know, so that they'll stop allowing that to happen and be more proactive really, because, you know, the kids aren't going to tell you that they're being trafficked. Right. You know, you have to look around, look for cues, look for signs to see if it looks like a situation and, uh, and educate people. Um, hey, these are the things that you need to be, you know, mindful of and watch out for, because like I said, the kids can't protect themselves. Yeah. I mean, listen, education is the is the operative word there right i mean everything sort of comes down to education we're better educated and we we tend to have a more civil world right i know you're absolutely right and um i, I think the more people are aware of, of this issue um the better off it's going to be it's it's the number two biggest criminal enterprise in the world only behind drug trafficking as far as profitability and it's a yeah. multi-billion dollar industry so, you know, that's a, that's a problem right there. It's a worldwide problem. Um, but, you know, we got to start here in our own backyard and then work up the chain to work with other states and then work with other countries to prevent this from happening. Yeah. It's a huge problem. Where's the, where's the flow? Like, where, where's, what's, where's, the, where's the most prevalent, I guess, and where's the flow of human trafficking coming from? Well, um, a, lot, a lot of it's overseas. Um, they're coming into the Florida. Texas has a big problem, I think, in California yeah. as well. Um, probably New York, I would imagine, as well. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's different stages where they, they, they bring, and it's not just sex trafficking. I think people have the impression that human trafficking is just sex, uh, sex trafficking, but yeah. it also involves migrants. Um, who are brought to the country and promised nice accommodations and they can work on a farm. And then every month they get further and further in debt because, you know, the, and the accommodations are terrible. They're not, they may not be legal, but they'll take their paperwork if they do have a green card so they can't leave. And then it's almost like indentured servitude. So that's, that's a big issue as well. Ah, so this recent event here from moving migrants from Texas and Florida up to the Northeast could be an example of that. Well, <laughs> it was, sorry, yeah. I know I'm poking the bear a little bit. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. So, um, in, in, as far as the practice goes, those are the areas that we yeah. uh, we okay. focus on, and we also do some criminal defense um, and uh, some uh, employment litigation, really on the plaintiff side. So, it's, there's sexual harassment at work, um, sexual abuse at work. We handle those claims as well. Got it. So, how, so tell me about how you got there. Like, how did you become a lawyer, and what was that path like? Well, I didn't have any other marketable skills. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, well, you know, I've always, um, I, I, I like to debate, you know, I was uh, the youngest of four boys. So, you know, I had to learn how to defend myself. And, um, and so I've always enjoyed a good debate argument, however you want to call it. Um, another thing that was kind of impactful was, um, I was in seventh grade riding my bicycle and got hit by a drunk driver Ooh. and, lost about 30% of the skin on my body and fractured my lower back. And so, you know, I know what it was like to be, you know, to go through that, to have your world turned upside down, yeah. you know, you're trying to recover and you're trying to, you know, get your life back. And so I think that kind of made me more empathetic to my clients because I understand, you know, I've been there. Um, I've, I've, I've lived it and I can kind of understand where they are. And also the other thing is, is I just, I get a kick out of, you know, helping people. It makes me feel good. Um, you know, I get people who are really in a bad spot. They may have lost a loved one. Um, they may have had a loved one critically injured and they're trying to piece their world back together. They need financial assistance. They need, you know, how do they deal with the insurance companies? And so, if I can make that a good process for them and get them through it and get them a, a good financial recovery so their future looks better, you know, that's something that gets me up in the morning. I get, you know, I get excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Oh, interesting. I, I I had a call with someone yesterday, another personal injury attorney that was like, it was like his mission was to bring down insurance, the insurance industry. Well, you know, I'm no big fan of insurance companies. Yeah. So. You know, they got one job, right? They're paid to you know, recompense people when they get injured or they have a, a fire or, you know, that that's, they got one job, right? And then we pay them every month. And if we're late, like two weeks late, we get this nasty letter that they're going to cut us off, right? If we don't pay. And so we pay for them to pay when we need it. And then when they need it, they can go, oh, we're not going to pay. Yeah. Someone equated, he equated like organized crime. It's like the mafia, you know? <laughs> Well, Danny DeVito said it in, in one of the uh, John Grisham's movies. He's like, insurance companies are like a broken slot machine. You keep putting money in and they never they never pay they out. Never pay. That's and good. So, That's a good one too. Yeah, it, it is quite a uh, it's quite a business. Uh, maybe if I knew about it earlier, I might have been involved with that business. It seems like it's a pretty good way to make money. <laughs> well, it is, but uh, the problem is, is you're you're leaving a lot of people high and dry, and you know that's that's a that's a problem. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's the other thing that gets me out of the bed in the morning is uh, I, 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 I love fighting it out with insurance companies. It's not just insurance companies. It's, you know, you have corporations which are placing profits over safety, right? Yeah. I mean, and so personal injury lawyers are the ones that keep those guys in line because until you hit their pocketbook, they're not going to make the real changes they need to make right? Uh, for consumer safety. I mean, look at asbestos, look at uh, the Ford Pinto example. Um you know, where they're they're doing the math to see is it cheaper to do the recall or is it cheaper to pay the loan for death claims? Yeah. Um, and so, 
they've got to understand there's a financial consequence because you know they're all about the profits. And I'm not saying all corporations are bad. I don't I don't hate corporations, and there are some good insurance companies out there. But it's the bad actors who give everybody a bad name, and hopefully, good personal injury lawyers are keeping them honest and holding them accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, it's a necessary function. I I, I agree. I was I was talking to someone else the other day about it. Another not like asbestos, but PFOS in the water, contaminating the water. I mean, there's always some of these things that come up and people have to deal with it, right? Because a lot of people are seriously injured, affected by it. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's funny because there's kind of a negative connotation sometimes about personal injury lawyers. And we've done some of that to ourselves with some of the commercials. But (laughs) if I go to a cocktail party and somebody asks me, uh, uh, you know, what do you do? What type of law? And I say, I do personal injury. They kind of go, oh, I'm going to go get another cocktail, right? Yeah, they go, yeah. But if I, now, you know, go rewind and they ask me that same question, what type of law do you do? I say, I sue insurance companies for a living. They're like, oh man, that's great. My uncle got ripped off by his insurance company a month ago. You know, I got to call you and they're your best friend, right? And I think sometimes they don't realize that, you know, we help the everyday folks, you know, have access to justice and to level the playing field against these, the big corporations and insurance companies. And so I think once they kind of look at it from that perspective, they go, you know what? You guys are, do serve a useful function. Yeah. Well, I can tell you what, I've certainly been educated and have changed my perception of the business since I've been working with a lot of personal injury attorneys. And, and a lot of them sound like you. They do it. They have a mission. It's very genuine. They want to help people. And uh, I've met some really interesting attorneys and uh, I totally changed my opinion. I, I, so you're right. There is definitely a, uh, there's a negative perception, which I think is unwarranted really in many ways. Well, I agree with you. <laughs> no, I mean, I seriously, I mean, I mean I honestly, I mean, I really do believe that. Uh, I mean, you're really like a civil rights litigation for, I mean, it's, you know, plaintiff attorney. I mean, to say personal injury, I mean, you're really, protecting the little guy's rights. Yeah, because I mean, and the lawyers in my industry work with contingency fees. So we don't, you know, we don't charge the client. They don't have to come in and give us a $20,000 retainer like they might in a a corporate litigation situation or commercial litigation. They can come in with nothing, right? Nothing, just the shirt on their back. And we say, I need help. And we'll say, we're gonna help you. We're gonna provide all the resources of our firm. We got 25 employees. And we're going to help you. And they bring in nothing. And they don't pay, of course, unless we get a recovery for them. Um, so that gives them access to court. Whereas yeah. if it was hourly, like you see in a commercial litigation context, they would never have access to courts and, and no access to justice. But given that it's on contingency, don't you have to be somewhat discriminant about the cases that you take? I mean, you got you have to pay the bills too, right? Well, no, that's an excellent point, right? So you know, we have to be careful. Um, People talk about lawyers and frivolous cases. You know, I don't know who's doing that because if you take frivolous cases, you're going to go bankrupt because, you know, you're fronting the money, you're fronting the time, your staff time. And if you make bad choices on bad cases, you're going to have a bad outcome and you're going to have a bad year and you'll probably go out of business. So yes, you know, we, we try to be selective. We try to take serious cases, um, you know, with serious injuries so that, we can put the resources to that that it deserves. Or you use uh, litigation financing. Have you used that? 
No, no, not yet. And I think there's a negative connotation to that as well, don't you think? With litigation finders? Financing, litigation financing. Oh, litigation financing. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Financing. Yeah. So, again, so you don't have to come out of pocket. Right, right. So, there are companies that do that. Um, we don't really do that. Um, some companies will provide advances to your client, um, which are contingent. Yeah, pre-settlement. Pre-settlement. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I really, I don't do that a lot because the interest rates are very, very high. Right. But you have some situations where, you know, your client might be losing their house because they lost their job because they're hurt um, they, or they're going to be evicted from their apartment. And they've got a family, right? So they've got to got to have some resources because these things can take six months or a year. And they don't, they don't have the luxury of waiting that long financially. Right. Lawyers aren't allowed to lend their clients money. We can't loan our clients money. So there are companies that come in and do that. Yes. Um, but I kind of try to reserve that for the, the, the really, really kind of emergency situations. Okay, okay, interesting. Um, and are you going into the courtroom? Are you doing jury trials? Well, you know, COVID shut everything down for a good 18 months. And so you can imagine the backlog of cases and judges want to clear out their, you know, clean, clean the backlog up. The Supreme Court is really um, aggressively trying to get these cases through so people don't have to wait, you know, years to get justice. So, yeah, jury trials are resuming. I've got three or four coming up. Um, and uh, that's that's the really, I think, kind of the, the bigger challenge, which distinguishes good lawyers from, from great lawyers is the ability to try a case effectively and, and get good outcomes with juries. Okay, that's interesting. So let's stay with that for a minute. So I'm you like to go to court, I assume, based on your statement. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's, uh, I like to talk. I like, like I said, I like to argue and, um, and debate things. So that, that's fun for me. I enjoy it. Um, and um, it's, it's really where the rubber hits the road, right? I mean, the, it's all or nothing. The jury could award your client zero, or it could be a, a very good recovery. Um, I had a client who, you know, she had to, went through a, a car accident, it was a low impact crash, um, maybe 10 or 11 mile an hour crash, the insurance company didn't take it seriously, but she lost some of her bladder function as a result of the crash. And the doctors couldn't really understand how because she didn't fracture her pelvis. Yeah. Usually for bladder injuries, you have to have a fractured hip or pelvis. But um, she just kind of stuck with it. And, and I was listening to NPR, which um, was talking about tru uh, trucker's bladders. And mm. if you end up holding you know, that in too long, it will stretch the bladder, which is a muscle and can damage the nerves, which is what happened to my client because she, um, her nerves were bruised in the pelvic area because of the impact on the side. And I, that caused her to not be able to void or you know, urinate. Yeah, yeah. And so, her bladder stretched out and ended up being damaged so that she had to self-catheterize. So we ended up, the insurance company, I think only offered, gosh, I, I want to say it was 150,000 or so. We ended up going to trial and getting a $2 million verdict for that client. Amazing. So how did you arrive at that? How did you arrive at that valuation? So you went so, from 150 to 2 million. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew that if you've ever been around someone who's had to self-catheterize, 
you instantly get it. Um, it, it's, it's a very, you know, it's not an enjoyable process. It takes 15, 20 minutes. It's not the most clean of things to do, especially if you, if you have to do it in a public bathroom. So, it, and that's also, you know, you, you think about the idea of having to catheterize, it's a very kind of gruesome idea for most people. And so I just said, members of the jury, what is, what's the value of a person having to do this, you know, through no fault of their own. Now they have to do this four or five times a day, you know, how much would a reasonable person expect to be compensated if they had to do that per catheter, right? And so I said, I think, you know, this is the range between X dollars and X dollars for each catheterization. And then you look at, you know, her life going forward until the age of 84, which is her life expectancy. Yeah. And you multiply that and it gets to be, you know, a considerable number. Now it's just one of the ways you try to get jurors to understand you know, what we call pain and suffering um, and loss of enjoyment of life. And when you start thinking about having to do that four times a day, then they start to understand it. Um, and so, you know, that in Tallahassee is a, a more of a conservative venue than maybe say, you know, Naples or South Florida. Um, so, you know, we were pretty pleased with that outcome. And, and it was great because the client, you know, she, she was tough. You know, you have to be tough um, to endure litigation. It's not it's not fun. Right. Um, and they, don't, they don't they don't go out there and make it easy for you. No, 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 no. That, that that's 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 impressive. I'm just curious to know how you came at that up with that valuation. You did a little bit of math, right? To uh Yeah, well, you know, the fun part was the medicine. Um, because mm. doctors didn't originally correlate the um it's called urinary retention, right? Mm -hmm. they, didn't, they didn't correlate that to the accident. Um, but the timing was pretty hard to get around because almost immediately after the crash, she wasn't able to avoid, uh, wasn't able to urinate, and then went back to the hospital and was in acute urinary retention and had to, you know, have a Foley catheter um, used. And so I thought, there's no way this is a coincidence, right? I mean, she was fine before the accident. Now she can't void on her own voluntarily. So there's no way that there, this was just a pure coincidence. So I went and sat down with the doctors. We talked about trucker's bladder and then, you know, got to the bladder stretch conceptually. And then from there, um, you know, we, we went down the line. And then, of course, the defense hired, you know, really, really esteemed excerpt from Johns Hopkins, yeah. uh, their expert to say it wasn't caused by the crash. And, and so that was kind of the battle we had was what we call causation issues. So if you have injuries, you, you the lawyer, the plaintiff's lawyer, have to prove that those injuries were caused from the negligent conduct, in this right. case would be a car accident, right? So it, it, the medicine was a lot of, was very interesting in that case. And you, did you use an expert witness as well? Yes, I did. I, I got a, um, gosh, he was a, a neurourologist, right? Um, so he was um, familiar with the nervous system and then he would tie in that to uh, bladder injuries. So he yeah. was a very, very subspecialized guy. Okay. So you had the two expert witness battling. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was, um, that was good, but kind of, I think the more important thing as a lawyer is that you get the treating physicians um, to, to talk to the jury. And if, if the treating physicians who have no, we say no dog in the hunt, right. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're just trying to make their, their patient better. And you know, when they come in, they tell the jury, yes, I think that these problems, these injuries were from the crash. And in my experience, 
I, I, I see this a lot. To me, that that really has more. It goes a long way mm. just because they're not hired to come in and render an opinion. Got it. So do you use focus groups, mock trials to prepare for some of these cases? We do. We do. That's an excellent question. And that's, a, I think, a really important thing that if, if you're going to be trying a case, I think it needs to be mock tried. And with Zoom and the technology now, that's a lot easier than it yeah. was. Um, for example, that case I told you about with the bladder injury, we mock tried that with... Um, two juries and one came up with 2.5 and one came up with 1.5 and so you know if you average those out it's exactly okay so you did you, okay so you tested the value with with a mock with a mock jury okay how and many how many in, people did you have in that oh gosh we had um i think it was about 22 okay and like i said it, it came in right with our verdict was a little under 2 million um, they came in, like I said, 1.5 and 2.5. And, and the really neat thing about this was we did the presentation in front of two juries. We put them in rooms and then we had a video and we would video their deliberations um, to see what was important to them, right? Because that's your audience. You want to know what your audience issues are. Did they find your client to be credible? Yeah. Did they find the argument to be credible? And so we were able to take that information and then use that in the actual trial. So it was a huge, huge help. And I think lawyers really should look into doing that, especially with, again, the technology being as affordable as it is now. There's not really a good reason not to do it. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, good. That that's actually quite interesting to hear. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I know like states like California, uh, which tend to give much larger verdicts. I mean, they they like focus groups. They do a lot of focus groups. I see less, maybe less so in Florida or the more conservative states. Do you think that's true? You know, I, I've never really thought about that from that perspective. Um, it To me, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't lived in California, so it's hard to, to speak to that. And I've never really investigated that. But um, I can tell you it's a growing, growing. it's growing eventually, um, you know, you would hire jury consultants back in the day yep. and they would help get you on the right issues. Um, now you can, you don't, and they're very expensive, right? I mean, not cheap at all, but with these mock trials, you can do that affordably. So on the smaller cases, you can still afford to do the mock trials, whereas you wouldn't really want to spend the money on a, a, a very expensive jury. And what is a mock trial? What does that cost to, to do that? Uh, you're you're talking, you know, less than two thousand dollars if you do it uh, affordably. Well, okay. Zoom technology, you could probably do it for less than a thousand. And you think it translates? It obviously, you felt like it translated well to the live courtroom. Yeah, absolutely. And here's why: lawyers think a certain way, right? We and we are around lawyers all the time, and we stop. We we think differently than I think everyday people, right. and so. What a mock trial does is you get to hear input from non-lawyers, you know, that are potentially could be your jurors. And so it's very informative. Like, you know, lawyers may think it's, oh, this is a really big issue, right? We got to focus on this, focus on this. And the jurors are like, ah, we didn't care about that. We cared about this. And, you know, you could completely miss it. So it's really important to vet your case with everyday people who aren't lawyers and don't think like lawyers. Excellent. Um, and is your practice just local or no no i've got a case right now against uber in washington dc with a client um and uh i've got 
um, cases around the state. I mean, it's primarily, you know, in North Florida, but we'll handle cases anywhere in the state of Florida. And my partners are licensed in multiple states, including Georgia. Um, two of them are. So we're not limited necessarily to Tallahassee. Um, and we, we branch out just kind of depending on the type of case. Okay, excellent. Well, good. Well, listen, I will wrap it up. This has been really interesting. I learned a lot about you and your practice. Um, I also forgot to mention you must you were a diver, right? Ah, uh, yeah, I did spring springboard and platform at FSU. That's awesome. My son was a diver. It's funny he he was a diver as a young kid. He was pretty good. He used to like dive at the local clubs, and then he gave it up. I wanted him to continue with it. I thought I think it's a great uh, great sport. So you did that at FSU as well. I did. Um, wow. I was on the team there and um, all through high school and then college. I didn't start actually until I was in ninth grade. I was a swimmer wow. and I wasn't a really good swimmer. Right. So I said, I'll try diving. And that was kind of a natural thing for me. I'm short. And you know, if you're short, that's a sport that's probably good for you. Right. And uh, I love being outside. I love the, you know, being on the sun. And um, so it just kind of worked out. And, and then I did it. Now I, I don't know. If I could go back in time, I don't know if I'd do it again because I, 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 I don't think I would have the guts to do what I, I know. Do. It's like a lot of guts, boy. I, I used to watch that. It's like, whoa, I wouldn't, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I look back and go, what was I thinking, right? I mean, right, right. Thirty-three feet up in the uh, in the air, wearing a, a speedo. <laughs> it seems crazy. Oh man. Well, listen. What, what? So, just final thoughts. Uh, what do you want people to know about you and your firm, and what's the best way to connect? Well, you know, our slogan is you have too much at stake, you know, not to hire the right lawyer. Um, and, and I think we, we really mean that because they only, you know, our clients only get one chance at justice, right? And if it, if it doesn't go right, they can't go back and get a redo. Right. They sign that release and it's over. So, you know, you've got to make sure that you hire a lawyer who's really going to invest the time, the energy, and has the knowledge and experience to get you the right result because it does make a big difference. I mean, you know, there are a lot of lawyers who would have settled that case for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that wouldn't have that wouldn't have covered my client for you know a year with the cost of her medical supplies. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just there's it's too serious. There's too much at stake not to hire the right lawyer. So don't base your decision uh, if you're a client based on TV ads, right? right? Do your research. Look at their resumes. Look at their experience. You know, you know, do your due diligence. Don't just do it on a cute commercial because it's just a commercial. Got it, got it, got it. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, and obviously they can get, they can connect you on your website. Too much, too much at stake.com, right? Yeah, absolutely. We have um, a lot of information on the website, uh, questions and answers. Um, you can learn about our experience. You can uh, find out everything you want to know about the firm. You can even find out about our staff. Um, and we like to think of our firm as kind of a family oriented firm. Our staff are like family to us. And, um, we, most of our staff have been with us for 15, 20 years. So it's a great place to work. I enjoy it. And, um, I think our, I think we do a very good job for our clients and, and I'm very proud of that. Excellent. Good. Well, thanks again. Uh, this is Matt Foster with, um, the law firm of, um, Brooks LaBeouf and, uh, Tallahassee, Florida, and this show is sponsored by Motion Track, and we are a legal tech platform that helps attorneys like you with case prep for mediation and trials with our digital um, insights platform. Th thanks again, Matt.
Yeah, the pleasure was mine. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. Have a good